0: Hey, Nicole. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? I'm proud of us. We're on podcast episode number four. I know. It's exciting. It's, I think, finally getting
1: some, like, some momentum. It's good to see it come to life. I agree. So what are we talking about today?
0: Today we chat with Caitlin and Rachel. They are two members of our university relations team. And so normally this time of year, they would be traveling around going to fairs, but fairs are virtual this year, as you know. So we have them on talking about what a virtual fair looks like, and they have a ton of great tips and inside advice on what kind of questions you should be asking if you attend a fair, virtual or in person, and they have some great advice for how students can just get started on their study abroad journey.
1: Cool, that sounds great. Let's get started. Hi everyone, Nicole here, and Sarah. And we're back with another episode of the Students Beyond Borders podcast. We're here today with Kate Armbruster and Rachel Hardison. Hello. Hey guys. And they are two university relations coordinators with USAC and their roles are essentially the front lines with students at study abroad fairs and on campuses as students really start dipping their toes into study abroad. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit more about what your role looks like?
2: Sure. So in general, we are there to support the universities. So the study abroad offices help support their staff in in terms of answering questions or helping on, you know, with certain projects, anything related to outreach and, and recruitment of students for study abroad. And then that also includes visiting campuses and attending study abroad fairs and, info sessions and talking to classes and meeting with faculty and just anything included in in recruiting students and and reaching out to students to to spread the word about study abroad.
0: Thanks for that information Rachel. Like you said your guys's like main role is recruitment and promotion of study abroad across campuses and I think you're both great for these roles for a lot of reasons, but mainly because you both have super extensive international travel and study abroad experience. So can you both talk about your study abroad experience? Kate, we'll start with you. Sure. I actually started my study abroad experiences back in or after high
3: school as a gap year. I went to Austria for a year and I went to Austrian high school. I lived with the host family. It was totally awesome. And when I came back, I enrolled in community college. I wanted to go abroad, but there were sort of limited opportunities there. So when I finally transferred to a four-year institution, I decided to study abroad for a semester. I went back to Austria I got to intern abroad, which was awesome. I didn't live with a host family that time, but got to live with other students. I was studying things related to my major. I also had the opportunity to do a short-term program abroad in Antigua, I was able to go to um, an international conference, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. That's a mouthful. But that was in Poland. So I, I went there as well. And then after college, I went back to Austria. You guessed it again to earn a TESOL certificate. And I decided do, to do some English teaching abroad in Austria and in neighboring countries. So all of those experiences really just helped me fall in love with study abroad. And yeah, so that's what, why I'm here.
1: That is quite the travel resume, Kate. I know you've been to, you've mentioned before, 27 countries. I think I in my travels and study abroad experience have been to maybe 10. So 27 definitely is impressive to me. Rachel, what about you? Talk about your study abroad experience and maybe how many countries you've been to.
2: Sure. So I majored in German in college, but had never been west of the Mississippi. i would never been out of the country, so I studied abroad my junior spring semester, which was the first time, you know, for me leaving the country, and I loved it, and obviously it fit very well, you know, with my with my language major, so I, I learned a lot uh, of German. I lived in a residence hall. They didn't have a home stay option, unfortunately, so I always encourage students to take advantage of that because I had to I made friends and would get invited home for like a weekend here or there to, to, you know, have that German homestay experience, I guess, in bits. Um, But anyway, so I did that for my spring semester, junior year, and then came back and wasn't, you know, quite ready to, to stay in the U.S. And I had talked to one of my professors about wanting to go back to Germany, and he knew about a teaching fellowship. And so I applied for that and was lucky enough to get it. So I, after I graduated, I went back to Germany and stayed for two years um, on that teaching fellowship and uh, then came back to the U S and pursued my, my career in teaching, which then, you know, kind of led me to study abroad as well. So I don't know how many countries I've been to, but I have been to a few places in Asia, Thailand and Taiwan, and I'm still have a couple on my list. So I've never been anywhere in Africa or.
0: Australia or New Zealand. Those are all at the top of my list too. I think when I was abroad in Europe, I went to 29 cities like during my study abroad, which I thought was pretty impressive, but I haven't counted my countries in a while. But oddly enough, I have not been to New Zealand or South Africa either. Definitely high on my list. I love hearing about both of your experience. I love that you both went back multiple times. I think that is something that a lot of students who study abroad dream of doing. I love hearing about when people make it happen.
1: Shifting gears a little bit, clearly we don't have students traveling at the moment. So things have changed a bit, right? How does the university relations coordinator, whose sole job is to recruit students, mostly in in in-person events, adjust at a time like this? How has your guys' world changed?
3: Yeah, so it's totally different because I'm used to hitting the road, going to different study broad fairs, talking to students in person. I typically attend around 25, 30 fairs per season. So that means I'm hopping around from school to school, speaking to hundreds of students every week. And now without travel, I don't get that FaceTime. And instead, what this has really forced everyone to do is to move online, right? And we're solely banking on students connecting with us through digital means so it's really forced us to look at you know how we communicate to our universities in virtual ways versus in person i think it's been a challenge but it's been a great challenge i think this is a has been a long time coming having everyone sort of migrate in mass to digital forms that might be uncomfortable for some but i think it Turns out that
2: we're all better because we're we're learning more formats of communication. I would echo everything that Caitlin said. I think, you know, someone in our role, this may be a generalization, but I think typically someone in our role is more of an extrovert. So I think that's another just personal challenge that we're all facing, especially working remotely for so many months. And so I think that's just, you know, an additional professional slash personal challenge of finding a way to to make those connections virtually and and maintain that excitement and just remind yourself that it's still the same excitement, it's just through your computer screen, (laughs) if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think even personally, that's something a lot of people right now are feeling is they're missing those people, they're missing that personal interaction and over a computer screen is definitely a whole different beast, I think. We're definitely all feeling that for sure. And you guys mentioned moving virtually, offering different digital services. We've seen our organization have to pivot. Can you guys talk about what kind of things
2: we're offering instead of these in-person fairs? So some things we're offering on our own and then other things we're participating in that the universities are offering. What USAC is doing, we're offering information sessions. Our advising team and our university relations team, we're holding I think eight to 10 information sessions each week. Some general information about USAC and studying abroad with us and others um, that are more program specific. We've been hosting more webinars for university staff to learn more about our new programming and changes that we're making. And also, you know, for students to attend moving more digitally in that respect. But then the universities that we partner with are holding their own events in the fall. So they're doing... You know, a study abroad fair week with multiple Zoom, you know, Q&A sessions with different study abroad organizations. They're all innovating and they're all trying new things. And we're happy to support all of those new initiatives and, and do what we can to help them as well during this challenging time where we're all moving virtually. So those are, are some examples of things that we're doing.
0: That's awesome, we are doing a ton of innovative things. We've been talking about them every episode on the podcast and we're going to get into virtual fairs in a minute but I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned which is these info sessions and these are brand new info sessions and we are offering them daily and so I just wanted to let our listeners know if you're looking to find those info sessions, they are on our website under the getting started section. And that's how you can sign up for those. And one thing just to follow up on that is they are short. So you don't have to worry
2: about if you sign up that it's an hour long info session. I think they're designed to be 15 to 30 minutes max, something like that. So not too much of a time commitment to, to learn about some study abroad opportunities.
0: And it's not just going to be the staff speaking at you. There's the opportunity for students, parents, um, universities, whoever's attending, to ask any questions they might have about USAC, the programs, what's happening in the future. So those are really cool new initiative. So Rachel mentioned that obviously universities are changing the way that they hold these fairs because normally they're in person. And so a lot of them are going virtual. Kate, can you give us an idea of what a virtual fair looks like?
3: yeah virtual affairs are really going to look a lot different from university to university no one's really doing the same thing but what i see most frequently is info sessions zoom sessions where you can participate in q a to learn more about a specific provider or the other types of opportunities on your campus it really just depends on your university and or, or your college and what they're trying to focus on
0: So I'm trying to visualize these virtual fairs. I know you said obviously it's going to be different from campus to campus, but like what kind of materials are we providing to these universities and how are students going to be able to access those materials and how are they being informed about the fair and the materials?
2: So one university that I work with is creating a web page for their study abroad fair and they're going to have videos linked so they've requested that each study abroad organization provide three to five minute video overview of their organization and what you know programs they offered and then on their website there will be sections for each study abroad organization with links to the videos they've also asked for a digital like a PDF flyer that, that will be linked from that. Section and then there'll be a link to a specific Zoom Q and A session with the representative, like myself or Caitlin, on a given day and time. So they'll be promoting that the fair via this website across their campus. And I, I have a couple others that are doing similar versions. Another one that's using Prezi as a way to have each provider put their information into a Prezi that's also like a video and a flyer and then a scheduled time for Q&A through a Zoom session. So just, just to give
0: you some examples. So with these virtual fairs, students will have a chance to ask us questions. Will they have the chance to actually speak with us at these virtual fairs or is it more us providing? Materials?
2: In most situations, they'll have the opportunity to speak with us. From what I understand from the universities I work with, that they're intentionally providing opportunities for students to connect with us um, and ask questions either through Zoom sessions or, you know, virtual advising in some way or lots of different things that they're doing.
0: For students who are going to attend these fairs, whether it be virtually or in person, what types of questions should they bring to a fair?
3: I could probably answer some of that question. You should first of all bring all of the questions, all of them, any of them. There's really no bad questions because there's a lot to learn with study abroad and it takes a while to really start processing all that information but for me uh, looking back on when I was studying abroad the most important questions for me were financial ones. Are there scholarships? Uh, what scholarships are there for the programs I'm interested in? How much is the program itself? How, much, how will my financial aid apply? Definitely understanding the academic side of things, uh, what the academic rigor is of those programs. And of course, if you're looking for something in particular like an internship, is there an internship opportunity offered in the location or on the program that you're interested in?
2: Yeah, and just to add on to that, I would definitely say finances obviously are the most important and academics, I think knowing or having some idea of what classes you might need or even if it's not specific classes but maybe just general areas, you need a biology class for your major or you need a, you know, non-western history class for an elective or something like that. Just having some idea because I always find that finances and academics do tend to be the, the most important. But yeah, and then just thinking about what it is you want to get out of the experience is a homestay important to you, or, you know, field trips being included, or saving money and not having those things included, you know, just thinking about what it is that's important to you. Thanks for those
1: question ideas. I know when I have helped fill in for FAIRs, I often either get the student that knows exactly where they wanna go, the semester they wanna do it, the classes they're taking, or you get students on the other hand who say, I have no idea. I'm an international studies major, so I can go absolutely anywhere. What should I do? How do you guys feel with your 30 plus combined countries travel experience? how do you think that helps you guide students in the right direction when choosing a program?
3: I think I get a sense of the student from having a conversation with them initially, uh, feeling them out, seeing what they're interested in, maybe they're giving me vibes that they'd love a big city, maybe they would really appreciate a smaller like village, town, small city setting, and I think working that out with the student, getting to understand what they like and why they like that can give us a sense of, of course we don't know everything. We don't know, we haven't been everywhere, but we work with people who've almost been everywhere. So I think with our experience and combined with the people we work with
2: and all of our experiences with those people, we can help. I also think it's helpful to encourage them to think about what they want to do. You know, sometimes the where is is tied to the what. If you're more flexible and open and thinking about what it is that you want to study, you may uh, come across a program that has amazing classes in neuroscience in the Netherlands and you hadn't really thought about the Netherlands and you really wanted to go to Italy. But if you're thinking more about what it is that you want to study and what your goals are, you might, you might find some really exciting opportunities
0: that you didn't know existed. I think no matter who you're talking to at USAC, Everyone knows just a lot about a lot of different places, and I think that's what makes it super fun to be able to talk to us at fairs. Yeah, and I think
1: piggybacking off the fact that we are a very well-traveled group, so not only do we understand traveling and great places to go, but we understand kind of what's at stake and the impact that this experience can have on your academic career, your college experience in general, and really your life. So like Caitlin said, any question, absolutely let's hear it because we all know exactly what it's like to pack up and move across the country for a summer semester year um, or across the world, I should say. And so we really understand all ends of it, not just where should I go, but why and how and what does that mean for me? And of course we want students to attend these fairs. How can students find out what is happening on their campus and what their study abroad office is offering?
3: I think there are probably a few ways to find this type of information. First, you'd probably want to check your university or college's website and the study abroad page on that website. They'll probably have some promotional items on there, hopefully the, the front page where students can find more links. Other ideas are checking out social media for your university's study abroad office. It might look again, differently for each university, but the idea is I think you have to go searching a little bit. Maybe you have to Google, a simple Google search of your study abroad office and their virtual fair for 2020.
0: Thanks, Kate. That definitely makes sense. If you're having trouble figuring out what your study abroad office is offering on your campus, feel free to reach out to us. You can always email us at studyabroad@usac.edu, at USAC.edu and you can Let us know your situation, what you're hoping to achieve, where you want to study abroad, and we can let you know if we know of a fair happening on your campus, virtually or in person, or just provide you with more information to help you get your study abroad started. What advice do you have for students who are starting to plan their study abroad journeys?
2: Well, I would recommend that they... Check in with their study abroad offices if they have one on their campus. If not, you know, maybe their academic advisor, but just to get the process started there and see what steps they have to take, what programs are approved or available for them, or which programs are affiliated with their university, and talk to their academic advisor about when the best time would be to go. Every major is kind of different, and for some majors, it's better for them to go earlier, for some, it's better to go later, and so identifying a good time for that and how it fits in, and starting to think about classes that they could take while they're abroad versus others that they have to take while they're on campus. So just kind of getting those details sorted out while also thinking about what they want to do, what are their goals, you know, where do, where might they want to go, what do they want to accomplish while they're abroad. But that's that's what I always recommend in terms of getting started, and obviously if there are any kind of virtual events that the study abroad office is is offering this fall, whether that's a fair or if they're just doing a series of info sessions or whatever it is, jumping into that too, just to, to see what's out there.
3: And I'll add to that too, I totally second everything that Rachel just said. And I think taking advantage of what your study abroad office is providing you in terms of resources and information and info sessions really take advantage of that because study abroad is such a bear to sort of work out and it takes time. So getting more information earlier on is really all the better for you. And additionally, I would say, if you want some advice from me, what I would do personally is like really close your eyes and just take a minute and try and visualize yourself abroad. Where are you? What are you doing? What are you tasting? Who are you talking to? Are you speaking a, in a different language? What do you see for yourself? Because I think part of uh, study abroad is really getting out what you want from it. And there, it can be pretty overwhelming. There's so many different opportunities. And understanding what your goals are and what you're aiming to, to do abroad, that's probably a good start because you can start filtering out what programs don't make sense for you right off of the bat and really getting to the, the good parts quicker and like I mentioned, in such, when you don't have much time to plan study abroad, you know every moment matters. So you know, think inward first before um, making any any big decisions.
0: That's really great advice. I love so much of what you just said, especially that visualizing yourself abroad. I think that's so important, especially because we offer so many options. And like you said, it can be really overwhelming, especially if you just know that you want to go abroad, but you really don't know what it it looks like for you. But I mean, that's why we're here to answer these questions. So you mentioned, both of you mentioned going to the study abroad office, but I know right now with COVID and everything that's going on, quite a few study abroad offices have closed on campuses, unfortunately. So for students who are on these campuses at these universities who don't have a study abroad office, what can they do? Like, where should they go to get information to start planning their study abroad?
2: I would probably recommend an academic advisor if they, if you have one, they may um, be able to tell you who's providing that support or those services in the meantime if the study abroad office isn't functioning. And a lot of study abroad offices may still be open but they're you know still remote but they're also offering virtual advising. I know a lot of study abroad offices are doing Zoom advising for students and virtual appointments and things like that. So so definitely you know look to see what's there. We also provide
3: virtual advising online and that can be helpful. I think again the more information the better. Talk to as many people as you can and get all of their answers Sometimes they might be conflicting, sometimes it might be confusing, but the more you stick with it, the more information you'll you'll gather and you know the better decision you can make for yourself. I would recommend going to USAC.edu, checking out our student blog, checking out our YouTube channel, because there's tons of information you can get there, you can get inspired by, you can see, you know, these visuals of of what's going on abroad. There's constant updates going on as well. So if you keep your eyes and ears open and you're looking for the information, I think you can
0: really find some good stuff. Yes, definitely. We are offering all the resources that you could need to get inspired as well.
1: And if students aren't sure of who they should be speaking to at USAC, they can always reach out to us on social media, email us at studyabroad at usac.edu, and we can help connect them because I know It's a big world. How do you find out who you should be talking to about your exact questions? So we can always connect you guys as well. We do also have a blog on the USAC blog about how to plan your study abroad, especially right now during COVID. So if you go to blog.usac.edu, search, start preparing, and it'll pull up for you guys.
2: I wanted to say, just because you're not on campus, don't let that slow down your momentum or your interest for studying abroad. And that if there is some kind of virtual event, you know, if it's a a Zoom Q&A session with a representative like one of us or some kind of presentation or pre-recorded video or whatever it is, take advantage of that, even if it might not be as, you know, exciting as going to a big fair in person, but it's still a great opportunity to learn about what's available to you and start your study abroad planning journey and keep going. So don't don't let the the lack of in-person deter you from from getting started.
3: Yeah, and I'd also like to add before we sign off here, my final thoughts in a way, uh, because I don't get to see any of the students this year in person and sort of what Rachel was just saying is I usually get to be the hype man. I get to be your hype man at a study abroad fair where I'm like yeah you can go you can do it go anywhere and I usually tell students the only thing you need to study abroad is an open mind. So with that I think looking at the opportunities they might look a little bit different this year yes they might look a little bit different moving forward but it's still an opportunity. It's still there for you. The world's out there waiting and We'd love to help you get there and realize these dreams. So yeah, I I wish I could be your hype man. If I can help with anything, you know, reach out to us. We all can help you uh, make these dreams a reality.
0: Thank you, Kate and Rachel, for joining us today. That was a lot of amazing information on how students can start planning their study abroad journey, what to look for on campus or online so they can start thinking about study abroad, and we appreciate you guys coming on our podcast. Well, thanks Thanks for for having us.
2: I'm excited to see what this fall is gonna look like.
0: Thank you for listening to Students Beyond Borders, a podcast brought to you by the University Studies Abroad Consortium.
1: Please listen and subscribe on Buzzsprout or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow USAC on all your favorite social media channels at Study Abroad USAC.
0: If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback.
1: And if you'd like to be on the podcast or have a question for us about Study Abroad, you can email us at studyabroadusac.edu.